Hello and welcome to PSG Review, the show hopefully not summoned to the loft of the unwanted, also known as the show stuck with Leonardo's extensions and purchases like the sales department of PSG at the moment. My name is Miko, great to have you with me and I wanted to record a quick episode addressing a topic that might not be the first thing in our minds, but at the same time a thing that we struggle to entirely escape either. The undesirables. The players on our PSG roster that are not, as it transpires, part of Christoph Kaltier's plans, the ones we would like to sell. But to whom? That is the question. It's a very big question. Now, a disclaimer. A transfer season is a little bit unpredictable and there are rumors flying around. It's not impossible that some of these players will be sold in an infinite universe. Anything is possible and if one or more have moved on when you hear this, well, that's just the evidence of it. But looking for catharsis in the middle of all this, this was a topic I wanted to cover. Actually, I felt that I needed to cover it. Before we start naming names, which we very much will do today, let's look at the resume of the recent seasons as far as our sales department goes. It has become a sort of a joke. Since when have we done a significant sale? Andero Henrique is back now, but during his previous stint at the club, we sold our young players like Christophe Nkunku, Mosa Diapi and some others. Not for a lot of money, but if they will be sold on, there might be percentage for us. In the past couple of years, our sold players have been one entire, but solitary Mitchell Bucker, reportedly for 7 million euros to Barry Leverkusen. And while 7 million euros would change my life entirely, possibly yours too, it's not a lot in a bigger scheme of football finances for a club like PSG. We had Hesse, what felt like forever. Hatem Ben Afa was in the same category, just spending their days not playing, enjoying a great salary and no club wanted them. Or in case they did, not for the money that was needed for their salaries as high as they were in Paris. Of course, if we set aside the young players, the problem with selling starts off with buying players who then need to be sold later because it didn't work out for whatever reason. All these amazing free transfers. We don't pay the transfer fee to their old club because they came as a free agent, but then we compensate that money in their salary and it sounds great in theory. Well, I think it is great if it works out. I don't have a problem with players getting paid instead of the competing clubs. If anything, it's a great thing, but when it goes wrong, well, we are stuck and there's very little that we can do. We are stuck. We are ever so stuck and now we have this list of undesirables, so let's address that. Lenin Kusama is as good place to start as it gets. Signed as a replacement for aging Maxwell, he came from Monaco to Paris with big hopes. Despite him being unable to really dethrone the elder stageman of PSG until he retired, he sold promise, uh, uh, quite a lot of it, and for some time he was a French national team player. He has 13 caps and one goal for Le Bleu, but now he isn't very close to being selected at all. Kusava has always been an up-and-down player. Sometimes he looks like Neymar going forward, then he looks like Messi defending. He has always been fairly accident-prone and this lack of stability in his performance has been the issue. He can have a great match, but then we concede a decisive goal because his mind was elsewhere. A misplaced pass or something like that. He's 
the one player I have to be honest with you that sometimes I worry about. Is he okay? He strikes me as a fairly fragile mind and on a human level my concern is almost as strong as on a football level my irritation is. Still, the only defensive player with Champions League hat-trick, but also, in my mind, quite central character of the remontada. Some reports suggest that, that he has issues with competition. I don't know about that, I'm not sure, but he has lost his position throughout the seasons to Yuri Pesic, Juan Bernat, Mitchell Bakker and Abdul Diallo. And on top of that, he really struggled to take the position from Maxwell, who was gearing towards the end of his footballing career to begin with. Right now in his position, we of course have Nuno Mens, then there's Benat, Diallo, probably Kimbembe, although not necessarily if we play with the back three, and maybe then Kursava himself. This despite the fact that in all fairness, with some minutes and routine, he could be a decent wing back with the new formation, you know, with less defensive responsibility. I guess his reluctance to leave when there's been clubs interested has plummeted his stock to the ground, perhaps He has said or done something to be blacklisted, I don't know. But he doesn't necessarily strike me as a person who is interested in a pay cut. His contract was running out, but then it was extended, so he is here to stay. For now. From social media, I have observed that the car that he drives to the practice is definitely not one of the cheaper ones. Chances are it's also not his only one. Now, I know very little about cars. That's just a symbol of this all. But even I can tell that he has taken a full advantage of his money. But he has also a young family and possibly an extended family also to take care of. So I understand that it's not an easy thing to uproot the whole circus and take it on the road when everybody is comfortable in Paris. Now, ask yourself this. What club do you think would take him? On what level, in which country, in which city and for what money? Then ask yourself this, what do you think his career prospects are after his playing career? Whatever your answers are, most likely they answer the question, why is he still here? Having said all that, recently Kursava changed his agent earlier this summer and now there's been reports that they've been in contact with some of the Premier League clubs. The new company that looks after him is based in the UK, so fingers crossed, nothing is impossible. Mauro Icardi, one of the best strikers of the recent years, but when he came from Inter Milan, we knew his private life was a bit of a reality TV show. It was always a risk, so how great that when he came on loan deal, there was no obligation to buy. The first season was pretty good. We had our magnificent four with him, Bappe, Neymar and Di Maria, and things were looking so positive that players who were not known for their defensive effort started to track back just so that we could have this formation on the pitch at the same time. Cavani, of course, was still in Paris, but the club's all-time goal scorer was getting sporadic playing time as these four were trusted to score all of our goals, more or less. That was the first COVID season and it was cut short then continued in the most leagues, but in France League on, it didn't, and then we went to the Champions League final eight in Portugal with Icardi, now as a signed player. No more Loney and Cavani didn't want to finish the season with us. But when the August 2020 game, Icardi was so out of form that when we were in the Champions League final, desperately needing a goal, perhaps more than ever, certainly in the recent years, Tuchel didn't bring Icardi from the bench, he brought Traxler and Eric Maxim Chupamoting. Perhaps it was seen that they will know the German opposition better and are therefore in a better position to be decisive. But a few months after signing a world-class striker on a permanent deal, reportedly for 50 million euros, he was not trusted to put the ball in the goal at the moment of desperation in the most important match of the club's history. You know, the UCL final. 
It's a very sad story, very melancholic. Icardi has scored goals since, but he has also been out of form, out of pace, isolated and unwanted by the coach. The rumors suggest that there is some interest in him, but equally that he has no interest in leaving despite constantly falling down on the pecking order of our attack. There is a difference between Icardi and Kusava. Icardi has interest from decent clubs, but he seems uninterested. It's a shame because I could see him having a new win somewhere else. In Paris, I see very little future for him. Ander Herrera came to Paris as a free agent from Manchester United after five years there, winner of Europa League, and I think we were not over the moon, but let's say we were fairly satisfied with his arrival. I certainly was. In his welcome interview, he promised us three things, work, professionalism, and passion. In all fairness, he has been giving us those things. Less than a year ago, he was the one person who managed to score goals and he did it fairly regularly. He scored even in the Champions League and let's not forget that he was in the starting lineup for the Champions League final for us as well in 2020. The challenges with him are that he doesn't seem to fit into the new plans of the team, the refreshing of our midfield which has been in desperate need of some sort of injection of energy. He's aging and had the most bizarre list of reasons to miss most of the last spring as well. He has a big salary and he also seems to like Paris as a city. I say this with all the love to the north of England, but I'm not surprised that Paris feels good after having been in Manchester for years. Uh, Manchester is okay, but it's not quite as magical. While the club is in Japan, Herrera is enjoying the French capital based on his social media, you know, and he then he practices with the kids who were also left behind. That's the professionalism he promised. Even when left out, he meets his contract seemingly with a smile on his face. Herrera seems like a nice guy really, but very difficult to sell. And if he isn't part of the plans for the season to come, for better or worse, he finds himself on this list as well. I remember very well when Julian Draxler came to Paris. That was the one sensible thing that happened while Patrick Kluivert was our sporting director. It was the winter window half a year into the post slatan era. Cavani was our number nine scoring loads, but the team was in a kind of mental slump and they needed to be able to get over it. Draxler came at the right time to inject a little bit of new hope into this team. He scored some nice goals in Coupe de France, in Ligue 1, and who can forget the first leg of Champions League against Barcelona when we beat them 4-0 at Park, the return match we also can't forget, but for different reasons, of course. Draxler has always struck me as someone who has incredibly high ceiling, but not the mentality to match. It deserves to be said that during the summer after his first half a season in Paris, we signed also Neymar and Mbappe. With Cavani being a key player, Draxler sort of became a little bit of a makeshift midfielder and it never really worked out that well. There's been times, yes, but not in any way consistently. Draxler soon became close friends with Presnel Kimpembe. He learned the language, French. I think he's very good at that. Not sure if he had studied it at school also, but he got very comfortable in Paris with the lifestyle and the money. Playing time was seemingly a bit of an afterthought. He found himself a new girlfriend and they've been together for some time and currently they have their first child on the way. His partner also works. She's a professional dancer, so not sure what their plans are for the future and with the child now coming, but... The Parisian environment seems to suit them very well, even at the expense of Traxler's football ambition. Perhaps ambition is the key word. To be blunt, he seems to have very little of it and he was given an extension in Paris a little bit out of the blue by Leonardo. So we don't know what money in which city from which club would convince him to make the move. 
even the World Cup prospect doesn't seem to be quite enough, although I can't read his mind, of course. I don't know what he's thinking, but Draxler in recent years has become something of a symbol for players living the good life in the city of light with seemingly little concern for football. Gini Wijnaldum had one foot in Barcelona when Maurizio Pochettino started making phone calls. Pochettino convinced him to come to Paris. Uh, ironically, during their one season together, there never seemed to be any clear plan on how to use him and he went full matches with hardly any touches to the ball. He was entirely out of place. Admittedly, you know, when the contacts had been made, Messi deal was only in the future. We didn't know that yet, but Messi didn't play every minute of every match. And even in his absence, Wijnaldum didn't make any more sense in our 11. Wijnaldum isn't quite like the other players on the list, I feel. I also think that he might be able to go. And I think he wants to go. The World Cup means a lot to him. I certainly assume so. And while he was the Dutch captain, he has fallen out of the selection entirely and I'm pretty sure he will want to remedy that. There's been some rumors I think he could find a club. Uh, he has his Liverpool resume intact and for many PSG somewhat shambolic last season isn't necessarily going to be the deal breaker. Out of all these players, Wijnaldum, I think he was just a mismatch with the team. Not saying he's a world class, but he doesn't seem to hang on to the Parisian life quite like some of these others. As I record, there seems to be some serious interest in him and he seems willing to go. So with the others, he's a bit of an odd one out. Of course, there are also some other players that the club would be very willing to get rid of. Campos and Galtier want to bring in a new era and Idrissa Ghana Gay would probably be quite free to go if there's a good deal for him to do so. I imagine also young Eduard Michut is not going to be held back if the solution is found. Same with Paredes and Danilo. Perhaps at least one out of Kerer or Diallo, who, in my opinion, are good players, could go. It seems that the door would be open, but not as urgently perhaps as some of the other players I have listed before. If we are lucky, we can sell one or two from the list, but realistically, not many. You never know. Miracles can happen. There's been reports about the loft, a situation where these unwanted players who refuse to leave would be put in a separate schedule, perhaps in a separate facility as well, where they would be entirely set apart from the actual squad. The idea, I assume at least, is that this lack of future prospect in Paris would encourage them to look elsewhere, to find another club, not to become the Hesses and Ben Affas of this time. To some it may work, but for instance Kusava, he already was sidelined for the entire last season, so much so that without any league on minutes he can't claim to be a French champion of 2022. So far this has had very little impact on his future plans, so how effective is this rumored solution? It may work for some, not necessary for all. Athlete's career isn't long anyway, and once it ends, the money taps aren't necessarily closed, but let's say that All of a sudden, one might have to start considering that how many sports cars do they really need after all. Unless the players have made wise investments, perhaps saved some money on the side, and in case they don't have a whole legion of people financially relying on them, maybe the money will be all right. Some, not many, will have a career in media as a pundit or find something else to do. But like I said, this is for a few, not for every former player. It's not an easy thing to do to let go of a big paycheck even if it's for a few more years only. On a human level, I fully get it, I really do. We sometimes expect these players to do things we would never do ourselves, to let go of guaranteed money, and good money at that, because we focus on the potential of our team. As a fans, that's what we do, and how these paychecks are holding it back. But these people, they're only human. 
as much as we find it irritating, we have to keep that in mind. So here's to hoping for good altruistic opportunities where everyone can get something that they want and need. I don't doubt that these players want to play. They just find themselves in a situation that you or I can't necessarily relate to. There might be a whole list of questions they need to answer before answering, do I want to play? Another question is, would taking a pay cut elsewhere add a few more years to their careers because none of these players are inherently hopeless? I mean, they are good players still, even though things aren't working in Paris. That's, of course, speculation. I imagine something that they do also consider a lot. They know what their part is. No one is winning in this situation and This isn't what they dreamt of when they wanted to be footballers, when they made every sacrifice it takes to get there to the top. None of them, I assume, are in a position where their choices and decisions would only impact themselves. They have other people who rely on them. Their income is central, in some cases probably to a whole group of people, and some of them aren't in a position to decide based on their love for football. To them, this is real life taking place, and what they choose will directly impact the people that they most love. That's the human level. It's not easy to uproot your family and move to Turkey or wherever. And even if they do go, nothing there is guaranteed either. The only thing that is guaranteed for them is this paycheck in Paris until the very last day of their respective contracts. So I get it. I really do. I know that this hasn't necessarily provided us with any answers, perhaps just more questions, but sometimes I feel that it is my duty on this platform that I have to provide a little bit of nuance and humanity that this whole area of conversation, in my opinion, lacks. It all irritates me too, but I find it useful to look beyond that irritation. I wish well for every last one of our undesirables. I hope they can find something that works because then we as a club can also find that then we can all move on and try to avoid these situations in the future. And for heaven's sake, we do need to try to avoid these things in the future. But of course, when you make deals, offer extensions, so on and so forth, you do that with the best information at the hand at the time, and you never know how the future will work. I was raised by hip-hop culture, and in hip-hop, they say, don't hate the player, hate the game. That's why I don't really attack any of these players, because this is the business side of football, but for everybody's benefit, We need some solutions. Otherwise, we can just all wait it out. The contracts as they are. And we can curse Leonardo who had offered them the extensions or signed them. But that doesn't help much either. Selavi. That is all for this. A little bit unusual episode of PSG Review. But it was one that I felt I needed to get out of my chest. Thank you so much for listening. Next time, we probably have something more along the lines that you're used to. I'm not sure if I have time to record one more episode about these matches in Japan. We, of course, had a very comprehensive cover of the tour itself with the excellent Nico from the PSG Fan Club Japan, who has been in the thick of it. I feel it was a great episode, so go and check that out if you already haven't. As I'm recording, the second match of the tour has just finished against Urawa Red Diamonds or Reds, and the scoreline was 3-0 for PSG. Absolutely brilliant goals by Sarabia from long distance, Mbappe from close to zero angle and finally in the second half by Kalimuendo who is ever so dangerous in the box. Warren Zaire Emery played very well also it was fun to see Verratti back on the pitch. Neymar and Messi linked very well in the second half and while there are still some areas to improve for the team our assumed starting 11 are finding their pace even if they weren't on the pitch at the same time. Some great saves also by Navas as well as Rico on the second half. Next week I'm heading for a holidays for a bit so probably a small break then 
I'm also boycotting Trophée des Champions anyways, as it is organized in an apartheid country. Not only my words, but the words of Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch and an Israeli human rights organization, Betzilem. The level of atrocities and continuing blatant human rights violation, murder of journalists, sabotaging their funerals, bombing media buildings, occupation, settlements and much, much more. It's embarrassing that this match is organized there, especially for the second year in a row, so I will have none of it. The season itself starts on the 6th of August, so not long to that. We are then on the road to Claremont, that's Saturday evening, and then the new campaign is really and truly starting. I hope you well. Take care of yourself and the ones around you, as our undesirables are doing. And until next time, peace. <laughs>